Hello everyone, Bobby here. Folks, what a weekend we just had. One of the craziest OU Texas games I have ever seen in my life. And I, I gotta tell you folks, we were excited to talk about this one. So excited that we went insanely long. Yes, insanely long, even for us. So you know what I did? We are splitting this podcast up into two, and we're going to sprinkle it throughout your podcast feed this week. So part one, what you're going to listen to right now is our recap of the Red River Showdown for the Ages. We talk about the key moments, the key plays, what happened, and of course, yeah, that quarterback change Lincoln Riley made. Uh, So let's dive in. Yeah, part two coming up uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, which we will break down the big questions uh, surrounding this game and surrounding the rest of the season. And of course, we're going to have a TCU preview with our pal Boaten Blake and cannot forget the weekend spread coming up later to round out the week. So stay tuned to your podcast feed, but especially stay tuned right now because the Schooner Pod is about to begin. Hello, and welcome to a special, special edition of the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, we got James and we got Ty, and we are here to break down an absolute masterpiece of a football game um, against all odds. The Oklahoma Suitors come back from down 28-7 to to take out their arch-rival Texas Longhorns uh, in a just, just one of the greatest college football games of the season. Um, and, uh, it would be a understatement to say a lot happened. Um, Caleb Williams made his, became a legend. If you told me what would happen in this game a week ago, I'd call you a gooner. I'd call you an idiot because it is unfathomable what just happened. Um, because we called Ty a gooner for saying that because we were talking about our guys last week. Who could be that one person who make a big play, change the whole game? Ty's like, oh, Caleb Williams. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. God, that's hilarious. I, um, and yeah, before we jump into the rest of the pod, I want to point out for the second year in a row, Drake Stoops comes in with a significant play to either tie or, or get the lead in the game. So shout out to Drake Stoops for also cementing his Red River legacy uh, over and over. I'd argue that he submitted his legacy in the most Drake Stoops way possible by having that massive block on the game-winning touchdown on the end around. Yeah. Um, just yeah, just out here drawing for the team for no credit or recognition whatsoever. Just incredible, incredible. But, um, man, um, we're, we're going to do this a little different. We're going to do this podcast a little bit more chronologically, break down what happened, Kind of, kind of flow through grade performances as we go on because this game, you know, you can't break it down into offense, defense. You have to break it down in terms of what the hell happened. Um, and um, yeah, so let's let's just get right off from the start. Uh, first of all, atmosphere before the game. Uh, Jamison Ty, like, what, what what were the what were the nerves like before inter- uh, the Cotton Bowl before the game? Uh, how were y'all feeling uh, entering this one? I felt like it was really kind of timid and weird because both fan bases were confident in their ability to win the game, but were not confident enough to trash talk beforehand because it would somehow jinx them. 
So everyone was kind of calm looking at each other. There wasn't a lot of hooting and hollering before the game. Um, everyone just kind of sat down calmly. But, you know, after those first two minutes, everything changed. But still, like like before the game, like Texas fans, the, the usually even whenever they're like 14-point dogs, they'll talk trash. But being this close to each other, um, you know, skill-wise, made it a very weird environment. It felt like a very even situation until that very until the very first couple plays for Texas. Um, obviously, Texas gets the, gets the kickoff, um, and truly just just an astonishing touchdown um, from uh, uh, Xavier Worthy goes the distance, puts it in. Uh, very bad OU possession uh, right away. The energy's on UT's side. Takes uh, Rat- Rattler just. Um, just completely get, gets pummeled. Offensive line looks bad, and then catastrophe happens. Blocked field or p- punt. Uh, Texas scores almost immediately. Ty, what what were you feeling? How, how what were your first thoughts when you see OU down fourteen two minutes into the game? Yeah, so that was rough. But honestly, um, I don't know. Obviously, in hindsight, anyone can say this. I I never really lost hope. Um, and I especially wasn't feeling too down on it um, when we got down seven and then 14. Uh, and then, you know, when we went back and scored and it was 14 to seven and the momentum was still firmly on their side, at least in that, that initial, because the first quarter lasted, it seemed like two hours. Uh, it was, we were just getting pummeled in, in the first quarter. Um, and really those first two touchdowns, uh, it was that kind of comical, like, oh, okay, like, yeah, 14 points, but I think they had 14 points in like less than like three minutes or something absurd. So it was one of the things like, hey, Red River, anything can happen. You know, two scores. We've got basically the entire football game to go. I'm not too worried. Uh, did get a little I, bit late first, but I felt so much different than Utah, and I just have to butt in and say that because I was down. I, I did not feel good, <laughs> and I thought you would say that too because if you did you notice on the first play, DeLaren Turner yell, first play of the game, goes out back with his hamstring injury. So he only played one snap the whole game, and it was on a 75-yard touchdown. So, no, DeLaren Turner yell was not the player of the game. Absolute horrible take. <laughs> okay, well, no, I, I for one disagree. He's my game ball. He gave it a good old college try. He try, he, 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 you know, showed a lot of guts yeah. to get out there. So they, I'll just get that thing. over with. Here's the thing: Texas only scored seven points with DTY on the field. You can't say that about any of the other defensive players. All those other dudes got exposed. Not I DTY. Mean, he held them to seven. Straight up facts. I think for me, it all just happened so fast for me to feel any like just anything. It was just so shell shocking uh, that that happened, and it's, I, I, it, it was so fast that you. And this is something that takes even way longer than this. You could have like gone down to go to the bathroom or something and come back up and been like, "Oh my god, wait, they've scored three times." in the time that it took me to go to the bathroom or like, let alone get concessions or even if you're just waiting at the gate to, to come in, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are people who are, you know, it takes a while to get into the cotton bowl. So that, that definitely was the reality for uh, quite a few people for that one. Um, but down 14, nothing, you got to give it up to you and Spencer Rattler. Um, this is one of the few things that you could really, really say positive about uh, poor Rattler. And we'll, we'll get into this 
conversation a lot later uh, and a lot more in depth. But you know that was that was one of the best. That was probably the best. One of the best drives I saw Rattler produce, um, down 14 nothing. Great pass to Mike Woods, uh, solid running from Kennedy Brooks as well, uh, and then punching it in. Uh, I thought he looked pretty composed, and I, I, I felt like that was the moment OU's offense would turn around, but it really didn't, did it, Jameson? No, like that Mike Woods, if he wouldn't have caught that, can you imagine how much worse it would have been? That was an amazing catch. And yes, Spencer like made the play longer and threw it right where it needed to be. But that was that catch, you know, most of the stadium didn't think that was in. And obviously there's many catches like that for the rest of the game that we'll talk about later. But that, that was a really good drive. That's what you expect from OU. Um, you started to see us establish the run game. And like we had said in the last week, um, it seems like Lincoln Riley was tipping his cap to Kennedy Brooks being an every down back and being the number one rather than the running back by committee with Eric Gray. And we saw this continue to happen throughout the game. Um, but with Kennedy Brooks started cooking early, you know, things were going to be good for the rest. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, after that, let's be honest, the offense got a bit bad. Um, Rattler started getting turnover heavy, uh, as we all know, and, Ty, at what point were you starting to be a little like, okay, maybe we should... Did you ever get to the point where you were like, we should probably pull Rattler? Yeah, so I mean, I, I and, and, you know, this is a little, you know, how the sausage is made. Uh, but I do, I, I sort of naturally take this role, but I definitely accentuate it for the podcast, right? Like we need someone to play the uh, the Skip Bayless or the bad guy or the you know, contrarian <laughs> devil's advocate to, to some extent, right? I, I do believe in, in a lot of this stuff uh, that I say, but some of it is, is you know, we just got to have the, the debate. Uh, but yeah, Rattler, and I think, again, we'll dive way deeper into this, but it, it's now very clear that uh, that may have been the, the one piece and the one issue. And I have some sort of irregular uh, or, or uncommon beliefs as, as to why that could be. But yeah, I... I think that first quarter, I think it was obvious that, that he needed to be pulled, um, in my opinion, even if it was just something like last year where he got pulled temporarily, which I think we honestly kind of tried to do, even though we do have a – or we had a Caleb Williams run set uh, that we've seen previous in the season. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to say, hey, you know, throw a take out there and when it sticks, be like, hey, I got you. But – uh yeah. Yeah. Jameson, what about you? Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's tough putting ourselves back in that moment because, um, you know, we're going to get to it, but if Caleb Williams went and had that fourth and one run for a touchdown, I don't know if we're going to go and see Spencer Rattler in, um, you know, Spencer Rattler could have very well been the starting quarterback coming into the second half. That play broke open everything. It gave us a, a chance to win. And gave us a thought that, like, it's probably time for us to put in Caleb. You know, so Caleb, Spencer Rattler throws an interception whenever we're down 7-14, to 14, airmails the receiver, um, throws it to B.J. Foster, which leads to a three-play, 51-yard drive for a touchdown from Texas. Right after that, three and out from Rattler, um, then touchdown uh, Texas. And then we get that wonderful, um, wonderful play um, with OU with Caleb Williams, 66-yard touchdown. But then after that, you know, the field goal and then the fumble, the fumble from Spencer Rattler is what did him in. Yes, Caleb Williams had that run. But whenever you have a fumble and an interception, almost similar exactly what happened last year before Spencer Rattler got benched, 
it, there's no way that Caleb Williams was going to come out as the quarterback coming into the second half. And the fumble, the fumble like really symbolizes what the problem with Spencer Rattler is. The, the, he's not a runner. We know that. He has limitations. The problem with Spencer Rattler is he does not play within those limitations. He tries to do things that he just cannot do. And that gets him into trouble. Um, he, he, he tries to do things that just aren't there for him. Uh, that interception you brought up where he airmailed basically everyone, uh, he, he, it was a miscommunication with Austin Stogner. He wanted him to basically just go straight in the middle, get waylaid. Stogner took a different move on his route tree, uh, but Caleb didn't, or, sorry, uh, but um, Spencer didn't care and threw it, you know, the still wrong way. He still threw it, just didn't know one, and then he got mad at Stogner. Obviously, it was sort of bang-bang when it occurred, but when you go back and watch the, uh, the uh, slow-mo replay, Stogner had turned and had already taken a full stride in the opposite direction before the ball left his hands. And, you know, obviously, at the, especially at the speed of college football, that stuff's happening a lot faster. But that kind of goes to one of the things that we've been pointing out on the podcast all season is this sort of locked in, I'm going to force, you know, a, a throw or I'm going to force something to happen, which, you know, when, when Caleb Williams, not to jump the gun here, but when Caleb Williams got out there, that was not the case at all. I saw, you know, a, a lot of Sooner Magic, a lot of luck, uh, which, you know, to some extent you create your own luck, but to other extent, you know, like when you drop a snap and it just happens to bounce right back up into your hands when you're in stride and stuff, that's, you know, luck. But the ability to think when the play is devolving and not to just try to force things and to let things develop. And uh, one of the big things I saw during the game that I kept saying over and over um which, again, jumping the gun to, to Caleb before we, we tie back to Rattler, but Caleb Williams, a lot of the time, looked to me a lot like Baker Mayfield in the play style. Just scrappy, backyard football. When the play broke down, he was at his best, just doing ridiculous. Like that, you know, pick up a fumble, uh, a fumbled um, snap and roll out and throw it off of a jump pass right in there into triple coverage. Which is just, whew. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, let, let me, crazy. Go ahead, yeah, let me let me say something about that Spencer Rattler point that you said that, yes, he's been keying in on receivers and it feels like he knows who he's throwing it to before the play even unravels. And the problem with in football nowadays, you see it really big time in the pros um, and it's trickling down to colleges. The majority of stuff is RPOs and giving the, the keys to your quarterback to decide, does the ball need to go to my running back? Does it need to go to this wide receiver? Does this wide receiver want to do a, a crossing route, a slant route? And I need to be on the same page as my wide receiver to know where it's going and read the defense as it goes. Spencer is not reading the defense well enough. And obviously, you know, maybe Stogner had a choice where he could have gone which went way. And Rattler thought he was going to go his priority route and just threw it. And that's not how you win football games anymore. You can't rely on Lincoln Riley to give you these beautiful plays and people are wide open anymore in college football. They, Lincoln Riley is not this brand new coach that is just stunning every single team that plays him because of his miraculous play style. He's been here for a while. People know his tendencies and, and like coaches are getting smarter. Um, so our players get up and get smarter to combat the smarter defensive coordinators. I um, mean, and like I said, Spencer, I don't know if he's got that IQ to do that. It, it's a combination of IQ. It's a combination of patience and it's a combination of trust in your guys. I don't know if Spencer Rattler trusted in, in his receivers at all. Um, yeah. The first thing he did right after that was start screaming right at uh, Austin Stogner. And that's a trust thing to me. 
Here's a big, a big thing, Bobby. I'm glad you keyed in on it on the trust of receivers. Uh, Rattler obviously is thrown to all of our receivers this year, but one of the biggest differences uh, when Caleb Williams got out there, and I re I went back and rewatched uh, the highlights from this game, and then uh, a brief little bits of of other games just to to double confirm this sort of hypothesis. Um, Rattler just didn't have doesn't have chemistry or doesn't trust Marvin Mims for some reason is the only conclusion that I can come to because Williams, like we saw in two very significant passes that we're going to get to uh, threw the ball up there for Mims uh, in sort of a pro style, you know, man on man, I'm going to let you compete for this because I trust you uh, where he wasn't necessarily open. It worked both times. Um, and that's what happens when you have a mismatch and a player that can really fight for it. Uh, at receiver, but he wasn't necessarily reading as open either time. Uh, And that's not a pass that, you know, Rattler, as much as he loves to throw into double and and triple coverage, uh, looking back, it it seems like he either doesn't notice or or doesn't look at or or give any thought to Mims in those situations. Whereas Caleb Williams came out and said, Hey, Marvin Mims, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to throw it up here. And we got some of the most amazing, uh, you know, one of the most amazing college football plays I've ever seen period. But that, I think that was a big key because he's one of our best receivers. And if we can start engaging our key players uh, by trusting them when the quarterback is the one making the ultimate decision for the play, uh, that's key in and of itself. Well, I mean, you're you're exactly right because it, both of those throws were, let, let's be honest, excellent, but Mims was the one who made the like effort on both of those. Um, yeah. That the, the, uh, the first long ball, Mims did a great job of getting in position, you know, really playing that fight with the with the cornerback, um, and then of course that just miraculous touchdown. That was all Mims. Uh, so, well, that's uh, that's the point sure, of a sure. five star receiver, exactly. right? Like anyone can have oh blown coverage, I'm wide open. All I got to do is make sure I catch the ball, right? Like you don't need a five star guy for that. You get the five star guy so that you can throw up, you know, that that jackpot pass if you guys know the the backyard game and and see who catches it. And, and you got to trust and know, hey, I've got the better athlete, you know, four or three out of four times, this is going to end up in my guy's hands. We need to throw this right now, which is the situations we were in. Yep, yep. And look, I know we're both foaming and a frothing to get into this Caleb Williams versus Spencer Rattler talk. I can't wait to dive into it. But we have to wrap up with the first, uh, that kind of, the, the, the bad times. Back when things were really bad with OU. Um, and Jameson, I got to ask, like, how much of the blame is on the secondary and that defense? Uh, because there were a lot of uh, blown coverages. Uh, uh, Latrell um, McCutcheon definitely uh, stands up there. Uh, poor, poor. That's a lot of youth. That's a lot of issues right there. Uh, just got burnt by Texas's receivers right there. Um, and then Bijan Robinson had a, a massive run as well. Um, so, what was wrong with the defense early on? It was it was our outside cornerbacks. You know, DJ Graham played decent. They didn't target him that much. But Jaden Davis was bullied time and time Jayden again. Davis. Every single time Casey Thompson got back there, you know, he threw the ball and just bullied Jaden so bad that we had to bench him. Put out Latrell McCutcheon. You know, as a true freshman, he's got skill, but he's six foot one and is skinny and like what? Still like nineteen years old, probably. Like, this kid still has a lot of work to do to become a guy, to be a decent cornerback in college football. Um, and, you know, we're kind of accustomed to, as OU fans, we think that these D-backs come in and be superstars and they're freshmen, and then all of a sudden, whenever they're juniors and seniors, they're miserable. But, like, like Latrosto's got some work to do. But Jane Davis, 
miserable, miserable game. We need Woody back bad. Um, it probably won't be for another week or two with his injury that, that he has going on. Um, and that it's something that's going to be really nerve wracking moving into the rest of the, um, the, you know, in the rest of the season, because there's not a lot of different options. We've kind of exhausted the backups and trying to give other people different rides at that outside cornerback position, but there's no one really stepping up like Woody had in the past to win. Ty. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's the, we got to consider who we played as well, right? It's, it's Texas. Uh, they're by far the best team we've played all year. Um, and we knew that they were going to have that threat on, on the ground. And you know, that in some cases becomes a, an issue with the secondary when they scheme, Hey, we're just going to run, uh, and extend it out to the outsides, um, and, and hammer that, that secondary and then throw against them at, at will, which is something that they do with, with a fair amount of success. So we knew that this was going to be an underperforming game defensively for us, just based on the caliber of, of people that we played. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, for all, for all the criticisms, you got to look at the, the second half as well and uh, see yes. that we weren't perfect defensively, but we still, or uh, we stood fast and, and locked him down there. So. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing about this defense. And I've, I've said it before is, Oh, you, Oh, oh you, their defense is not built in to get to get in these like lockdown cornerback battles. You have to have pressure. And when Texas has all the momentum in the world, you know their fans are going crazy. OU's fans, you know, aren't quite into it yet. It it it, it changes the game entirely. And when things flipped, that is when you have the the um, the offense or the defensive line really get into it. And when when that turns, the entire game turned defensively for OU. Folks, another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores one point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is just about a no-brainer. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed because everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, that's TPPN, throw $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So... Let's talk about it. It's time to get into it. 21 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> it's it's also sort of all that we've talked about up to this point as well. But we've we've alluded to it. But it finally like here here's the thing. Caleb Williams miraculous touchdown. Everyone's freaking out and and it was that first play is all you need to know about what Caleb Williams brings to this team because 
the offensive line, that was not a play that was set up for success. Fourth and one, that was dead in the water. But Caleb Williams made it happen. He, he, he got that read, bounced at the outside, and just made, you know, made electricity out of absolutely nothing. Um, and he continued that style of play throughout the game in different ways. And, um, you know, honestly, it, I, look, I, I don't want to talk about the future just yet because there's so much of this game to talk about. But he, he became undeniably the guy to play, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, the thing is with all of this, we have to kind of bring up. I think this is good that we're kind of going um, through timelines here because it gets kind of confusing. So watching the game, you probably don't remember too much that this touchdown run by Caleb Williams came before Spencer Rattler's fumble, and then you yeah. know moving into the second half, Caleb Williams didn't score another touchdown to the very end of the third quarter. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that being said, I feel like Williams did a good job of moving the ball down the field. He felt more comfortable. He was making the right oh, reads. Yeah. But more than anything, that, that play showed you that, you know, Spencer Rattler isn't the type of guy to give you a bunch of electric plays and get you back into a game. But Caleb Williams, that is, that is, that is a type of guy that you need at your most desperate moment. And Lincoln Riley pulled that switch no matter how hard it is. And, and Ty, I, I got to ask, is there any going back? I sure hope not. I, I mean, at this point, who knows with with Lincoln Riley? Um, I think obviously the the media is going to spend certain things uh, to to generate you know their business as they do. I don't necessarily know that there's as much drama as it seems because it seems pretty clear. Um, I think there's a pretty clear path for for Rattler. Definitely not an easy one. Uh, but he is, you know, his his future stock is is not looking good right now, uh, and there's there's just no way. I, I don't I don't see any way that he can stay at OU, even if you know just absurd stuff happens and he remains the starter. Um, that will generate some some pretty crazy drama. I feel uh, pretty significant and on all levels, from the donors down to you know the locker room to the fans. Um, yeah, so he's, I mean, he's, and, and flat out, you know, he, I think he's, he's got to transfer. He's got to go somewhere else, uh, and, and get his, his draft stock back up now, because that was, that was not good for him because now it looks like, oh shoot, this is the OU that we thought that they could be all preseason. And this dude was holding him back. This dude was super overhyped and he's the one that's holding back this OU team because, if you look at that second half OU team, we sure look like the team that people have been saying that we would be all off season. So, and that's, you know, I, I personally subscribe to that belief as well. I think, I think it was pretty clear uh, as soon as Williams started playing and, and like Jameson said, you know, Rattler stayed in, he had that fumble drive. Uh, and then we had another great drive by Rattler where we drove all the way down there uh, into field goal range. I don't think we were quite in the red zone yet. And then he just spazzed out and tried to like force a weird play when he had two open guys uh, for the first down. And then we ended up having to, to kick it again, uh, which is, I think is emblematic of, of sort of the way that he plays. So I, I think it's very clear and I think it's hurting his, his future career prospects the longer he stays on this team. Yeah. And I'm and I'm not, like not trying to talk like crap or like, you know, anything else. I, I think that's a pretty reasonable 
um, the opinion on on Rattler. You know, I think yeah, I think he could go somewhere else. Say, hey, I didn't fit in that system. Go somewhere where they play a little bit easier football. You know, and and succeed. I mean, you know, maybe he goes back to Arizona State. I don't know their quarterback situation, but you know, goes back home, Dang, succeeds man. in a system there, and then can move on because ultimately. He's only got a couple years of college left. Uh, you know, we thought he had one. So, yeah, I, I, to Arizona State. They've got a good young quarterback um, there. Arizona yeah. just doesn't look like makes too much sense. He'd go to a blue. Maybe go to last chance. You. <laughs> oh no! Some garbage. Hey, he wa- uh, hey I, I don't know. He, li- he likes Netflix, so you never know. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jamison. It just. I, I, I don't know. It it, it, it seems like his his inability to make the right plays at the times and just turn the ball over, make, he, he made too many mistakes. It just, it just doomed him. Yeah. I, I think that this whole Caleb Williams or Spencer Rattler conversation that we're about to embark on right now really comes down to is I think Spencer Rattler is a very, very talented quarterback. Um, but it's all up here. Mental. He's not making the right reads. He's not going through his progressions correctly. He's rolling out of the pocket at the wrong time. He's stepping up in the pocket at the wrong time. He feels like he can't do anything right, and the fans are against him, and probably some of his team is against him. Now, on the other hand, with Caleb Williams, you know, he's a true freshman. He's a hard worker. He's one of those guys who likes to talk. And like you said, um, we talking earlier, Ty, you know, Baker Mayfield-esque on the field, also off the field. If you guys realize this, I was looking at this during throughout his process of him getting that um, starting role in the second half. He was going up in the defensive huddle, like getting really excited, like pumping up other people on the sidelines. And Spencer, you do not see that. I don't think Spencer is a born leader and an extrovert like that. He's more of an introvert and just let his, you know, his skill do the talking, let his arm do the talking. And Caleb Williams get, gathers people around him and make the makes the whole team better. Because even though the defensive the defense was not playing with Spencer Rattler, when Caleb Williams became the quarterback, the hype of the stadium got better, the team's attitude got better. Everyone played better on that field down from the offensive line, down to the punter, down to the kicker. Everything was playing better because that you could tell this is, this is the guy that they believe in. While Caleb Williams, maybe, like I said, may have different skill attributes than Spencer. And, you know, maybe Spencer might have a better arm and, you know, can do certain things. But whenever you're getting the whole team on your side, the whole team is clicking and you're making your best players show their traits rather than, I'm having to like, you know, lean on some other people. Caleb was making Marvin Mims a better receiver. You know, Caleb is making the offensive line look better. Caleb's threat is making Kennedy Brooks one of the best running backs in the country. I think it's as simple as that. It's not a Caleb versus Spencer. It is the team plays better with Caleb. And and I think that's the biggest thing is it's not like the take is that Spencer Rattler sucks. The take is Caleb Williams is quite possibly like just like – one of the most insane talents I've ever seen, and the attitude, like you've been, like you said, is beyond belief. This kid, this true freshman who has not played since his junior year in high school, is out here thrown into a Red River game, down big. And he's just throwing it around, goofing off, Score. right away. You know, he the field, just sixty-six yeah, yards, boom. Just yeah, just like it's nothing. Blowing, you know, blowing finger guns. The kid is having fun. He's lifting his teammates up. And it just, the balls on this guy to, to go out and do this in the most stressful of situations. 
it, 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 it's baffling. And his skill set is is beyond beyond belief, beyond what we thought was possible at this age. Um, and you know, honestly, you, you got to give it up to him because not a lot of coaches, I believe, would bench Rattler in that situation. Um, and you got to give it up to you got to give it up to Lincoln Riley. And you know, it, I, I think you you kind of wonder, you know, if this thing was actually close uh, this whole time, if he really knew he had it in him this whole time, that it it, it could have been that close. Because let, let's not let's not kid ourselves. Spencer Rattler is a very good elite quarterback in some ways uh but caleb williams this kid might be one of the best quarterbacks you know this kid has potential to be really damn good and i'm not trying to hype him up or ruin him or anything but um i saw what i saw that 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 is that is a level of of panache a level of swagger that i have seldom seen on a college football field especially in that situation completely cold completely off like you know, just just from the hip, like what the hell did we just see? Yeah, and this is one thing. When he finally started playing, uh, one of the things I remember saying um, was, I, I don't know if I said this in in person or, or if I said this to our group text, but um, the second he started playing, the second he got out there and, and started playing, uh, I remember saying. I, you know what? At this point, I don't really care. I don't know if a comeback is possible. I don't necessarily, you know, care if we come back or not because at least it is fun to watch. It was, he is just fun to watch when he's on the field because he has fun. He's confident. He's good. He makes things happen. He's just flat out, at least in this game, he was just flat out lucky. Rattler's not a lucky guy. Rattler has never been lucky on the football field, at least at OU, like no matter when. He has never been lucky, and you know that's an intangible, you know, whatever thing. But Caleb Williams is just this game was just lucky, you know, flat out, and it was like you guys said, made everyone else around him better. He gave our fan base hope. It gave the team hope. It gave everyone something to play for. Made the line look better because when you got a dude that can actually move around and keep his head about him, the line doesn't look as bad because I don't think the line is necessarily that bad. They're just nowhere near you know, OU expectations. Um, and, you know, like you guys said, it made the running backs look better, made all the receivers look better. And he just made everything better just by being out there. And I remember thinking, you know what, you know what, if we don't even come back here, we just can't make it happen because it was a pretty ridiculous, you know, thing that we did. I was happy just to see it. You know, we gave it a chance. We let it play and he's out there and it's fun to watch. And it's because at the end of the day, it's, it's an entertainment business. Um, you know, and that's, it's entertaining. So that's good for business. Yeah. I mean, he, he, like you said, I I don't know if he necessarily made the O-line better, but what he definitely did was cover up a lot of their deficiencies. Um, because when you have a mobile quarterback like that, that has the poise that he has, you know, he definitely made him look better for sure. Well, yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, No, I, I, I know that was what you were, you know, what you were saying really, but like, it's kind of what you need. Yeah, the O-line is good enough to let to enable him to succeed. And when he's out there, the O-line is also good enough to enable Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. Um, you know, and shout out to Jameson. I, I disagree with him on the last pod, I think, on who RB1 was. It, obviously, Kennedy Brooks, I thought it was Gray. Uh, so shout out to that. But yeah, he, by being out there, makes the O-line good enough for our offense, you know, whether they improve or not. Yeah, because, I, I, I mean... I don't, I, 
Go ahead, yeah, Jameson. We've talked a lot. Like, I, I, I want to hop in on this. And I would really want to hammer in this point because I've already said it. I said it in my little rant earlier that it's like it's not like Caleb Williams' game plan as a mobile quarterback and his decisions in the pocket and able to throw it deep, you know, and actually throw it to Marvin Mims makes it easier on the offensive line. I think it's just – I really, really do think it is just his persona and confidence and belief within the team that gets everybody playing to 110%. If you're a guy sitting in the locker room of OU last week and you're saying, like, deep down, I know Caleb is probably our better option to win a football game, but I know in a team dynamic, you trust number seven. He is our leader, and I have to follow him. So I'm going to show that on the outside that I am go. I'm for I'm pro Spencer in this argument, and I'm going to defend him on social media. But you know, deep down, and the majority of people are saying I've seen Spencer make these same mistakes over and over, and they've been playing football their whole lives. They know that they probably need a change of scenery, and they'd rather cheer for the guy, rather go for the guy who's trying harder, and you know, is in the lock. I mean, in the in practice later, and is just more extroverted. And now whenever Caleb goes in, maybe those offensive linemen thought they were playing 100%, but it tapped into that just natural emotion set of playing for somebody that you truly innately believe in, and therefore you start playing to 110%. The crowd gets you riled up, and then whenever the crowd gets into it, you know, therefore everyone's playing at their peak performance. And that's why I was saying Caleb is making the defense and the offensive line better, even though he's not physically doing anything. There was an old thing they used to say about Baker Mayfield. Uh, it, it was something the uh, NFL draft scouts kind of noticed when they were scouting him. They, they referred to him as a Pied Piper around the uh, facilities. He would do these little whistles and all these other weird little things. And he just seemed to like just have every, like, the entire locker room at his fingertips. That is the type of energy you're getting from Caleb Williams, who was, he has been here for a while, actually, if you're talking about in Norman proper. Uh, he, he literally moved here uh, to do remote class and everything because of his high school football getting canceled. But that's the type of energy that, you know, it, it, it's super rare and just, just hard to find. And having the talent to back it up, is it's just remarkable. But um, let's be honest, like a lot of this game was one outside of just Caleb Williams. The court, yeah, the quarterback change was the catalyst that completely changed this game around. But on top of that, you have the defense completely, the, the, the energy that the defense had. Uh, Perrion Winfrey, Nick Benito got absolutely at Casey Thompson. Uh, and that, I think, possibly was because of the crowd. That was one of the loudest Oklahoma crowds I have ever seen in my life. Uh, how, and I gotta ask, how much of that has to do with this win? Well, yeah, I mean, the crowd it, was loud before we won. Yeah, I mean, I mean true. I, I mean, duh, duh. The crowd's gonna have an impact on things, you know. And it's whenever the I mean, the players do well, the crowd does well. When the when the crowd believes in this football team, to therefore you know put out a good product, therefore they get loud. It's we always say like. Us, our job as people in the crowd is to, I hype up the team, I mean the, the team whenever they need us the most, whenever they're down and out. No, that's not what it is. We are fair weather even throughout the game. We will not be cheering unless they are doing it first. So therefore, we need to believe in them um, because we've got trust issues right now. Um, so this was not an us thing. This is put it on the players. You know, the, the crowd was just reacting. Well, yeah, but I, you, go ahead, Ty. 
Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, this is the game, I think, more than any other in college football where you can really make an argument for crowds impacting game. I understand there's all sorts of fan bases that have, like, oh, we registered on a Richter scale, like, 100 meters away in, like, a poorly built, like, wood building or something. Like, that That doesn't really matter. Like, it, you know, you go into an away game, you know the other crowd's going to be making noise. I understand there's some times where some quarterbacks have issues with play calling and, and snap counts and whatnot. But in Red River, where you have all the time a as true as you can get 50-50 split, obviously it's not, you know, perfect, but it's definitely within a 1,000 people by, you know, any reasonable estimate. That's where the crowd really comes in because you can have those momentum swings, right? Because if you're, if you're in a away team and you're blowing out the home team, it's just going to be quiet. Or when you're the home team and, you know, you're getting blown out or you're blowing someone out and everyone's going to the bars, it's still just going to be quiet. So Red River is is unique in that way. I will say, uh, I think by far, I'm going to go on a mini monologue about this a, a little bit later in the podcast, but it's very clear at this point that the crowd's job is to make coaching roster decisions because the crowd <laughs> is much better at it than Lincoln Riley is, hands down. And oh any of the boomers that have been criticizing, you know, the student section specifically for, for the things that they've chanted because they were right. Oh, were they still right? Well, to be, let's, let's be honest though. The, the student section was not pouring over like hours of footage of Caleb Williams, you know, it, you you know have seven to. on seven. Not that, that bad. You didn't even have to. I, I disagree with you that take. That's know what the alternative was. To know that the alternative was probably a better option. I, I don't know about that. If you put Ralph Rucker out there, he couldn't do that. Let's be honest. Um, but like, he, but I, my thing about that crowd is, you know, in OU Texas, yeah, it's huge because it, it piles on. You can really just completely come down on a team, especially if you're trying to fight out of, you know, the, the other side of the end zone. And it's just, it was, it was just, it was a special scene for sure. Um, the energy was, was ridiculous. Uh, hearing hearing that one specific Mims touchdown, uh, where you have the Texas noise, the um, and then quiet OU noise when we kind of think it might be a touchdown, and then the thundering insanity when he actually gets it, incredible. And let's let's not forget that's forty six thousand people. That is an entire McLean Stadium uh, of just OU fans, and then you have an entire McLean Stadium of just Texas fans. That's a lot of people. Um, which is just leads to a wild, insane environment. And uh, I, I, I'm going to pitch an idea that nobody's ever thought. Put like one of those little awning things on the Cotton Bowl. You know, what one for shade because we need some damn shade. Two because it will be insanely loud, and the we the world bill. the world needs that. That you is think actually that the Cotton Bowl is going to make renovations to make themselves more accommodating to the fans. We really love- think that the Cotton Bowl that was ran out of all concessions pretty much yesterday. It was people were waiting forty five minutes in line just for a bag of chips. You think that they're gonna they're gonna make that accommodation? I don't think so. But uh, yes, honestly, that is that's huge. You know, like like I, like I said, you know, the fans. It was extremely loud. Forty six thousand of us, um, and we got behind. Everyone was clicking. Our players were going hard on the on the sidelines and they're playing very well in the game and everything was going right for us you know it's so it's so rare this season where we had moments where everything was going right and it finally got us all together unified as one rather than 
us trying to be pro Spencer, pro Caleb. It's this Caleb guy is playing really well. And we're getting back in this game and we don't have to worry about all the, it's honestly football politics. And we all finally came together. Absolutely. And, and it was, I mean, just what an incredible experience. Sorry. One second. Uh, I mean, that, 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 sorry. <laughs> just choking. You know, the pie is dry. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying, like, um, that that second half was just an ethereal experience. And it all boils down, like, in general it was good, but what, it, what really turned the game was, was a four-play swing. The Marvin Mims massive touchdown uh, that led into the Drake Stoops two-point conversion that led into the Caleb Kelly fumble recovery and then... Cap it off with the Kennedy Brooks touchdown. Uh, a 14-point swing in, in a matter of, of mere seconds. And OU is in the driver's seat. Um, just, just an insane second half. Um, and I got to ask Jameson, like, what, what, what moment did you kind of realize OU was going to win this? I think I didn't really believe it until the fumble recovery from Caleb Williams. You know, I understand we got it tied there. It was great. It was fun. Um, but still, Casey Thompson was lighting us up. Our secondary was extremely suspect. The dude threw five touchdowns. Like, you put that up, and we don't talk about Caleb Williams. You know, the whole talk is Casey Thompson showed up big time in a rivalry game where his dad, you know, is a huge OU legacy. He's very well known. His, his brother played. And he came out there and he played like Bijan Robinson. We like he was a force, but it was Casey that was the one who was just swiping us up. So I didn't feel it until the fumble recovery. And honestly, thinking about this, how many more times for the rest of the season are we going to do direct snaps to Kennedy? Do you think this is going to be a staple? Because we ran it three times that game, and I think we we every single time I think it was over fifteen yards or a touchdown. Yeah, I mean you had the two. I mean, massive, just breakaway ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you have to wonder, when is he actually going to pitch it to Caleb Williams? <laughs> um, They're waiting for it. It's just a setup. It's just a setup. Every single time you fake it, Lincoln's – there's always, you know, some kind of – Lincoln's done this before where he's set up certain plays and especially been in those, like, triple reverse passes where he's done those once before where we, we thought it was the Philly special. We start off the Philly special, and then we did it again in a play, and it was a fake triple reverse, and the guy ran left side for a touchdown a couple years ago. So he does these things, these trick plays, to set up things later. So that fake pitch is there for a reason. I think we're going to see it later this season. I'm with you. And let's talk about Brooks. That was an insane performance, one of the best performances we've seen in a running back in – years uh adrian peterson at the ou texas game honestly pretty much yeah pretty much yeah honestly um and you know ty i i I gotta ask uh you know you you mentioned it before big gray guy um how much does does um does does a functioning star level kennedy brooks change uh the makeup of this offense so i think it is uh i think it's very significant but i think it's more significant in how it affects opposing teams than how it affects OU. Because I think to some extent, obviously it's the same Kennedy Brooks that we've had all year. You know, maybe he, I probably shouldn't say this on podcast, you know, he he cheats on his test a little bit, you know, gets maybe he's, I'm not saying he's cheating on the field, but I'm just saying, come class together. Um, But (laughs) 
<laughs> what are you trying to do to us? This is worse than the week uh, one Caleb chance. What are you trying to take this? This is just another fault. I saw him finish my load on a chance, but I have. I have evidence, uh, hypothetically. Anyways, I think I, I'm, we're just going to cut it because we have enough viewers that someone's going to try to blow the whistle. Um, lost my shirt. Oh, so anyways, how it affects other teams. So obviously, to some extent, it's schematic, and we've figured out how to best employ him now. Um, but like my like my take that it's best to be the second best receiver on the team. I think it opens up our running game as a whole because now it opens up more for Gray. Because I, I still don't think I don't I'm not saying that Candy Brooks is not definitively RB one. I don't think that Eric Gray is that far behind, and I think it's very significant that we have a number two dude who is also a very significant threat. That when Brooks is not out there, it can cause the defense to read into what our play might be and open up even more for Gray as well. So I think Brooks is now found his stride. And the coaches have found their stride in employing him as, as an asset for the team. And I think he's going to continue to expose teams the rest of the year. But as he gets better, it makes it easier for uh, Eric Gray to succeed as well, in my opinion. It makes it easier for you know whoever is running the ball, um, whether that be you know uh, Paul or, or uh, Caleb Williams. And I want to disagree with that, Bobby, before you hop in. I, I just got to say this before I forget. You know, we talked about the whole year. We were worried about, um, you know, Lincoln, he's babying his running backs. Um, he doesn't believe in because he only had two um, running backs on scholarship. Getting Marcus Major back. You know, Marcus Major has been reinstated and is going to play now. I think that just gave Lincoln Riley the extra little push this game to give Kenny Brooks big-time RB1 carries. I don't think the gap – like you said, is that close between those two? I think that Kennedy Brooks, the way he can diagnose and figure out the correct gap to go up, extremely powerful in college football. I really do think Eric Gray has more of a you know non-traditional running back who can kind of play out of the backfield, catch balls a little bit better, be a little bit quicker. But what we've seen from Eric Gray in the past is he's not good at diagnosing gaps when it comes down um, to running the ball. I think Kennedy Brooks, now that we have a third scholarship running back, you're going to start to see 20-plus running back carry games for, and be a staple of this offense. If Caleb Williams is our true freshman starter, a true freshman quarterback is going to love to have a run threat. And like I said, we ain't winning games unless we open up the run game, therefore the pass game can um, do well. Absolutely, absolutely. But, um, yeah, so honestly um, – Trying to think of what else there. This game was so packed full of uh, of, of insanity. Uh, obviously, let's just cover it all. Honestly, no, we couldn't. I, we couldn't. I, let's just let's I got, just wrap I got up one storyline for you before we move on. I think this is kind of also goes under the radar. Here is our linebackers were having a lot of problems before this, and Danny Stutzman came back and played this game, and that is huge because he's another energy. He's another freshman guy. He just a lot of players like him. He's kind of a jokester, you know. He had Kennedy Brooks as his profile picture on Twitter, which is absolutely hilarious. And now um, he calls himself a winner soldier, and he, he posted what is what are like the words that go all together to activate Great the car, you know, box train, you know, <laughs> donning. Yes, he posted on Twitter. So he posted, and the guy played great. Another. So I guess he just dislocated his elbow and like avoided severe you know like stretching or tearing of those ligaments there 
and came back relatively quickly, which was a really good sign because watching that injury, it was not that great of a sight. The sad part about, you know, college, they don't really tell you if it's broken or if there's anything going on. All they tell you, it's upper extremity. No crap, it's a freaking upper extremity. Like, you see his foiling arm on the ground. Thank you, Lincoln. But, like, but like he is a difference maker in that linebacker crew. And I think that if you I, – I think we're going to see a lot more of him as, you know, not as a number four linebacker on this team, but creeping up, taking David Uguaybo and Deshaun White, Deshaun White snaps. Yeah, I mean, Stutzman was big in that Western Carolina game, but it's one thing to show out against, you know, the Catamounts, who are literal garbage, and it's another to show up in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I, for one, welcome the Winter Soldier uh, onto the team. I love it. Uh, And my favorite thing about that entire thing is uh, Caleb Kelly uh, quote-tweeting and saying, one of my favorite things about football is the crazy-ass white boys, which uh, (laughs) that's what Danny Stutzman is. He's a psycho, and I love it. Uh, he, he has potential to be one of those guys who, like, you know, writes his name in the Hall of Great OU uh, linebackers, and you know, I, I love it. I'm I'm here for more Stutzman for sure. Mm-hmm. I, what a name, by back. the way, Danny Stutzman. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking, I'm glad you brought him up, Bobby. Speaking of uh, Caleb Kelly, shout out to uh, old man Caleb, who is uh, quite literally our age. Uh, still out there playing somehow. Hopefully the NCAA does not look into that deeper uh, because the dude has been on the team for like seven years now um, and and found a way to just extend his play. Like, it, didn't he play with – I'm pretty sure he was on the team with Baker at one point. He was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. He played he multiple years with Baker. He's, he's, is this his sixth year? Yeah. He played multiple years with Baker. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. He's like the tortoise at the zoo that you go <laughs> – you see, and he was like born before America was a nation and, and type thing, uh, or like trees. Most trees are pretty old. A lot of people don't know that. Um, anyway, this is what you get on the Schooner Pod, y'all. You, you guys want a biology? Can you? I would like to know the biology yeah, but, of the trees. <laughs> I, I know that, uh, and then I know that trees, their cells have like a their square and shape. Well, okay, get this man. Yeah. I'm the bottom. Okay, 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 okay. Don't talk about dating okay, okay. with me on here. That, 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 look, that's, that's why, that is why I love Ty, though. He's, he's here for that like little bit of Mike Leach energy that you just need. You know, A little, little bit of spice. Yeah. But uh, um, I do enjoy your concentric ring. Um, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to shout out Caleb Kelly, who's a technically a linebacker, for that, that turnover on that kick. Special teams play. That was super, super crucial to the game. Yep. And just so many other ridiculous, exciting things happened uh, that that was super crazy exciting at the time. But then, you know, once it's all said and done, there were just so many mind-blowing plays. This was just I'm, – I'm glad game day was there because that brings in and then, you know, so many more people. But uh, this was like the type of game that and, – and I really don't think I'm overselling it here. This was an instant classic game by any means – for anyone that's a fan of, of the sport. But this was the type of game that someone that's never watched a lick of college football in their life would just turn on because it's on and happen to watch most or all or even just the end of the game and become a fan of the sport for life. And I don't think that that's ridiculous to say with as, as much viewership as these games get, that this game very probably was a game that caused someone to go, this is an amazing sport. What have I been missing? And, and dive headlong. So it's just a, like it, this was an instant, instant classic. I said it in our group text. This is a game that NCAA, the, the video game, 
would have automatically turned into an instant classic and put in your little, you know, Hall of Fame or, or digital trophy room thing, depending on the, the year of the game. A- yeah. Absolutely. I fully agree with that. And, you know, I, I, I mean, it, it was a mind blower. And this game is always, always hyped to the brim. And it, it not only lived up, it surpassed the hype for sure. And uh, just truly one of my, one of my favorite OU Texas moments. And um, Jameson, I, I'll let, I'll, I'll let you go with what you're going to say, uh, but I go ahead, Jameson. I'll, I'll get into that later. Oh, I, I, I didn't even know what you wanted me to say, but I, I think just like moving on with this game, you know, we just have to talk like briefly about, you know, Marvin Mims and his catch. Like I'm sure all of y'all have seen it, but you need to go look, look up on Twitter how close his shoelace was even to touching the sidelines on that touchdown throw from Caleb Williams. Um, Caleb Williams just said Marvin Mims is the best player on the field, and I'm going to throw it up there, and if he doesn't go get it, oh well. That's what NFL quarterbacks do. That's what you do whenever you see Devontae Adams down the field um, when you're Aaron Rodgers. That's what you do whenever you see you know Julio Jones, Megatron. Like the, I understand that he's not that body type, but whenever you have a guy that hyped up coming in from last season who's made many acrobatic catches and knows how to position his body – to catch those deep balls. That's what you do. You know, Marvin Mims in the play before that, another similar play that he threw it up. Marvin Mims boxed him out and caught the ball. He knows how to do these subtle little things, get his body in the right position and catch it. And, you know, good for Caleb for trusting that, especially, you know, there's a time to throw it. There's a time to throw it. Spencer threw it a lot for us whenever there's a safety high. This time, with Caleb in the game, there wasn't a safety high, so he's throwing it and letting him go get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I- Good. Uh, back to the, the Williams-Spencer thing. We touched on it in, in the podcast. Shout out to Boaten Blake for – I don't know where he found this stat. He very well may have researched it on his own. Uh, but Rattler came into this game with three completions longer than 20 yards on, uh, I believe it was 15 attempts. But Caleb Williams completed as many 20-plus yards passes in partial play in one game than Rattler has all season, which I think, again, speaks to you know the – what he brings to the table versus the alternative. All right, folks, that was our Red River recap. Make sure to stay tuned to your feeds tomorrow as we look at the big questions uh, surrounding OU football this season going forward. And uh, if you're new here, make sure to subscribe. Give us a five-star review on Apple. Really helps us out. So uh, we are five-star men. So either way, y'all have a good rest of your day. We'll see you soon, but we're sooner.